Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. My name is Pete Becky, and I am here with another couple of pastors, Josh Kugel and Don McDonald. We are here to discuss today pastoral visitation. Pastoral visitation. I'm wondering, now all three of us are pastors, guys, and um, I just kind of wonder, though, if it wouldn't have been a great idea to have somebody who's a non-pastor here to say, when was the last time your pastor visited? Uh-huh. And uh you know, I think we get all kinds of different answers, a lot of things depending on on things like people's ages, people's preferences. I know the one thing that, that I would say just to begin with is that back when I started uh, in ministry, I was ordained in 1999, and um, that was one of, one of the places where I was preaching one day to fill in for a pastor. Actually, it was when the church was in between pastors, we had an older retired minister who who was part of that congregation and he says yeah every time we try to um interview a pastor these young guys none of them ever wants to visit anymore and you could tell that this older guy was part of the idea of you visit all the time you visit all the time and uh josh i think you were mentioning a little bit ago before we went on on uh recording that right now people just don't want to visit, especially the younger pastors. Um, and it's not just the younger pastors. I think it's also part of the younger generation doesn't really expect people to come and visit them. Is that what your um, experience has been, Josh? Well, uh, I just hear more and more often and younger pastors, and I think maybe newer pastors, uh, complaints, you know, you, you probably never heard a complaint um, pastor in a church, Pete. So I'm never, never, maybe, maybe it's unique to me, but, um, I haven't heard this necessarily about me, but just that a lot of younger pastors don't visit. I don't know what it's, I don't know if, I I think it's generational. I think it's also because they, they may not want a visit as well. Um, I thought it'd be, maybe we should start with, we, we all agree that there's a biblical expectation that when somebody's sick, that a Christian brother or sister should visit them when they're sick, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think that the book of James tells us that, you know, have the call the elders and have them come and, uh, I don't know if the word visit is actually used, but well, have them come in and I, I, think, I think we'd go back to uh, the story of the sheep and the goats, right? Where were you when I was mm-hmm. sick? Sure, sure. Um, and so there does seem to be this expectation. I don't think it's just to go out and visit anyone who's sick necessarily, but or maybe it is. I don't know. I'm throwing that out there. But I, I think we should understand that there is this biblical expectation. The one, the one thing I, I would worry about is there's not a biblical expectation that a pastor should visit those who are sick. That's a modern church or, a, a, I don't know, a, a later expectation that was put mm-hmm. on a pastor. So one thing I, I would like to just explore a little bit is why does everybody expect the pastor to and why are people not kind of convicted when they're not um that'd be the first thing maybe it's because the pastor's paid or it's his position or something i don't know we we always like um you know if there's a if there's a a need that needs to be met a lot of people in church will give to their church so the church can meet that need 
Um, and that's an old precedent. I think in the in, when the deacons were established, there was this food program in the church where they would feed the widows and everybody else that needed it. And they would give money to the church so that they then could feed. So that, that seems to be maybe where that comes from. But I, I do want to start with, we all agree that there is some kind of biblical expectation that when someone's sick, they should be visited. Is that, is that correct? I, I, I did go do my homework a little bit. Okay. There you go. Time of confession. Google is my friend. Um, I was looking over James five and it says, is anyone sick among you? Verse 14, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name yeah. of the Lord. So there is a sense of if you are in trouble, health wise, mental health wise, reach out to the church and let the church care for you. But it almost, you know, when you look at that text, it's sort of like it's in your court as a believer to reach out to the elders. Ah. You know, when you, when you see that, but you know, well, so I, go ahead. But here's where I wanted to go with it a little bit, at least at the beginning we do. And I think from James and everything, and I think it does fall upon the person who needs somebody. So you should never say, well, pastor, you never called me. Um, Cause I just found out yesterday that somebody has been in the hospital for a week and I didn't have a clue. Right. Um, so, so maybe even James gets to that, but. I think we can all agree that there's a biblical expectation when someone's sick, they, that other Christian should take care of them, visit them, something like that. But I think some people have this expectation that the pastor is supposed to do visits, just like whenever. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't know if that's good or bad. I know a lot of pastors that I've talked to in, within my lifetime have told me that's the way they grew their church and everything as they got in the community, they got into people's houses, they went to visit and everything like that. What's the biblical expectation for that? I, I, I'm going to digress a wee bit and have a squirrel moment with you. When yeah. I, when I was at Mount Greenwood, and it was before I was ordained, I called on this lady. I said, hey, listen, I'm going to stop by and see a pastoral care visit. Well, she calls the elders well, it turns out she came from a Pentecostal Baptist background that when the preacher came to see you, you were going to be disciplined. <laughs> poor woman is a mess, you know, emotionally. It's like coming to discipline me. That's why you're coming to see me, you know. And I, I calmed her down when I went to see her. So, it's, yeah, I, I find visitation in my 30 years. It'll be almost 30 years I've been at Danforth. There's been a very quiet paradigm shift because... When I first came here, the expectation was I'd go out and see my elderly who were, there's about, at that time, about 20 of them from Downers Grove, which is the western suburbs of Chicago, all the way down to Indianapolis. So I had a lot of people geographically all over the place, and I was yeah. expected to see them. And then I want to say about 10 years ago. Were, were they sick or unable to attend church? They were, some of them were in nursing care facilities okay so know. that would fall under i think the the first expectation if they're yeah. sick yeah okay and and others were very healthy but it, it, they wanted a taste of home you know and so i would go up and see them but okay. in the last 10 years 10 15 years they don't want me visiting those who are now late 70s, early 80s. And I think a lot of it is because they don't want to be old like their parents. Are okay. you saying the people don't want you to visit? Correct. Meaning, meaning the, the people who you would visit don't want the visits is what you're saying? Correct. Because okay. if I see them, they're old then. Okay. And if I don't see them, they're young. 
that's that's the that's the way I've always determined who's old and young is who the pastor is going yeah. to see. Well, you know, that's, but there's some there's something to that though. Yeah. But I also think it's a little bit of um, society, the societal evolution, if you want to call it that. We more or less, and Josh, I think this kind of goes to some of the things that you've told us about back in other ish, uh, episodes when you talked about when you were in Belize and you saw how all the blue lights were shining and there was less fellowship yeah. because yeah. people were televisions and everything else where there was electricity as opposed to where there was no electricity and people were fellowshipping. I think a lot of people in our society and our culture today are just more private. I mean, how many of us are just dying to have people just drop in all of a sudden and, you know, come and visit with us? It's not part of our culture so much as it was part of the culture 40, 50 years ago. Craig, Craig Rochelle is one of my favorite pastors. He, he pastors lifechurch.tv or life.church, I think is what it's called now. Um, it's the largest church in America by attendance, but they, they gather at different campuses and everything. But he argued several years back that the garage door is one of the worst inventions uh, in, in history. I think if, if, I'm, if I'm saying that correctly, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that, that's about where he was going with it. Because you can come home, you can open your garage door, you can pull into your garage, you can close your garage door and never see a soul in your neighborhood you can do what you need to. You can go into your fenced yard. You can come back the next day and you can open your garage and go to work and then come back home. And, and most people, I think, don't know their neighbors anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things, have, things have, have definitely changed and all. And so as a result of that, we have become more, more private. We begin to associate our home with a place that nobody else should have access to unless by necessity or because I want them. I don't know. Um, well, yeah, let me let me share a, a quick story on that. Uh, there was a lady who I knew uh, from. I think I think that um, oh, I know what it was. My son and her daughter went to school together, and um, she was you know from a different neighborhood, different church. Uh, but she said that one day she was out on a walk and she saw somebody out. I think he was washing his car, and she just stopped and said, "Hi, how are you? I'm your neighbor from our many doors down. It was or whatever." He says, it's just kind of like, we, we don't, we never see anybody anymore. And I just thought I'd stop and say hi. She said, about that time, the guy's wife drove up into the driveway and basically did about what you were talking about. Josh pulled into the driveway and, and the, the friend of ours said to her, basically the same thing she had just said to the, uh, to the man. And the woman looked at her and said, she says, it's not, um, you know, we never see each other. We never get to know each other. People just come in and shut their doors, and that's about it. And the woman looked at her and said, that's the way it should be, and shut her garage door. <laughs> and, and that literally well, happened. That there's literally one for honesty. <laughs> Man, yeah. What's interesting in small-town America, where you think everybody knows each other, you know, very quietly, Danforth has turned over, and I don't even know maybe – yeah, if I know 20% of this this area of people now, it's a miracle, you know, because everybody, even in small town, is maintaining a sense of privacy, you know, yeah. cross over that, well, that fence, well, as it were. Think, think of when you can work from home and you can go to virtual church from home and you can shop from home and people in the future are going to be Socially awkward. I'll just say that. <laughs> well, I mean, and we're I already we, seeing that. Yeah, we're um, seeing that now because of all the all the pandemic uh, restrictions that were put into place. 
I, I think it was coming before that, though. Right, right. But I say, yeah. but I think it's just been amplified now, and then coming out of it, it's going to be a whole lot different. I mean, I think everybody was just dying to get together. Remember when nobody could go out anymore? It's like, hey, let's go out. And it's like, well, wait a minute. How come the churches haven't filled back up now that there are no restrictions? Yeah, yeah. I I think when we look at visitation, though, post COVID, which is where we seem to be leaning towards, I hope. Um, it has changed. It, it it really has changed in the light of your private messengers now in terms of your texting. I've, I have found a paradigm shift within the last two, three years. I do so much more starting a pastoral care texting with someone two, three hours than I do actually seeing them in person. You know, yeah. then with, with the Facebook uh, presence now you basically you know before facebook you'd visit with someone they tell you everything that was new well now you know what's new so you sort of have pick on well this is what i liked what i saw you know how did that go for you so it the visit the visiting has changed too because of social media platforms and yeah. you know i i think visitation is something that um personally you you have to work at you don't want to violate anybody's private space but at the same time i hate you know like like josh was saying you know he just found out a person had been in the hospital for a week and you didn't get a chance to visit them because they were in the hospital and it's sort of like you gotta tell me as your pastor what you expect and sometimes that conversation yeah. can happen yeah yeah if, if you want me to visit yeah, right. you may not even want me to know. <laughs> exactly, and I mean, I know that uh, the one of the I think it was the first church I pastored. The pastor before me, I think it was, or maybe it was one before that pastor, got in trouble at that church, and somebody actually, a whole family, left the church mm. because apparently one of the members of that family had been hospitalized, and they got mad at the pastor for not visiting. Well, nobody told the pastor. And they yeah. literally left the church over that. Yeah. Early in my ministry up in Ohio, actually, um, I had a family that was very old to the church, very, had been there for a very long time. Their son was in the hospital. And finally, after about a week and a half that he was in the hospital, I went to visit. He ended up passing away and everything. Hmm. Son didn't go to our church. And uh, I had just kind of casually heard that he was in the hospital. And I had no idea that there was an expectation that parents go to our church the son's in the hospital somewhere um that the expectation was that i would find and go visit him in the hospital was this an yeah. adult son you mean this was an adult son he was okay. in his 40s 50s something like that gotcha and i walk in and i finally just say you know i they never asked me to um i finally just after a couple of weeks you know I, I don't know if i should have known this and, and again even in the last 20 15 years or so things have changed dramatically on these expectations I remember walking in and just got these huge glares from these these two members of our church. Um, and I eventually I just had to once I figured out why they were upset, I had to apologize. I, I he doesn't go to our church. He's obviously doesn't go to our church. Hadn't for years. Um, I didn't know there was this expectation, uh, but I, I finally I'm, I'm sorry that I, it took me so long, but I'm here. And they calmed down and I became good friends with them because I was new to the church at that point, too. There's but it leads me to another thing. If you're new to a church and there's all these people that don't go there anymore, 
that are expecting visits, <laughs> it, you don't have any relationship with them either. And, and so there's, I, I don't know, this well, is a yeah. very, it's a very tricky thing to kind of manage because there's, there's plenty of young people or plenty of even older people now that if you show up at their house, they're going to wonder what in the world you're doing there. Sure. Um, and I mean, the other aspect of that too, Josh, is especially for a new pastor, meaning new to a congregation, Don doesn't know anything mm-hmm. about this anymore because that hasn't happened to him for too many years. <laughs> but, um, but he, I, I, I remember having the sense that people would say to me, oh, so-and-so used to come. You're the new pastor. You ought to go and see them. Yeah. Uh, and it's like. Because it's going to grow the church to attract people that are upset at the church. Yeah. And now that you uh, have a new pastor, they'll, they'll come, back. right? And, you know. Yeah, I, we'll I, sing whatever songs you want from now on. Yeah. I'm I the mean, new guy. I, I remember one time, it was not long after I started pastoring a church, they had this thing about for the shut-ins. And this was for shut-ins, no question about it. They would get a big, like a basket of fruit or something, and they they wanted to deliver these baskets because they wanted to let these shut-ins know that the church was thinking of it, which was wonderful. I thought it was a great thing, mm-hmm. but it had to be the pastor who delivered all of them. You yeah. know, it's like, well, why does it have to be the pastor? You know, because so, they wouldn't be holy otherwise. Yeah, I guess. But don't you think though that sometimes it's generational? Don't you think that the people who are probably now passed on for the most part, you know, the people who would have been born maybe in the, uh, you know, World War II days and earlier um, would have expected those visitations where our generation, maybe not so much. I mean, I was born in 61 and, and um, you know, then I look at my kids who were born in the eighties and even nineties. I think that I think that they would really kind of not know what to do with it if the pastor decided to just show up at their house. It's I, I think the the paradigm of visitation when I first came into ministry late 80s definitely was you you visit the elderly, you sit with them, and you know, being being good reformed, you sit in their living room and then you go have a meal, you know, a dessert with them in their dining room after finished visiting. You know, it's a miracle I'm not heavy. And you know, that was the common practice. And, and it was now, hours of visitation. Yeah, it, it was guaranteed, you know, a couple of them would be a, a good two, two and a half hour visit, which I was fine with for the record. You know, it broke the monotony of their day, especially when they were not that mobile anymore. And and to be transparent, it really helped funeral writing because you knew the stories, you you knew the family, you knew, you know, you knew the funny stories, you knew the serious stories. So for me, visitation, this is going to sound morbid, was usually as much a preparation for the funeral sermon as it was the actual visitation, you know, because you had history with the family line. Um, no. So I, I don't know when, when I think about visitation, I don't think Pete, it's as mandatory as what it was, but is it beneficial? I would say, yes, it's beneficial, but now I just don't visit quote unquote, the more mature saints, they'd rather be called for the record. Um, <laughs> I just visit the ones who really sense that if they've lost a loved one or they're getting ready to face cancer 
or things of that nature. So it's actually more caring for medical concerns than it is actually the old school visitation. I, I will definitely a paradigm shift there. I, I will say though, as a result um, that we've lost some of the closeness with our attenders. Agreed. Um, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that the visitation is happening a lot less, but um, I don't know when you see people more <laughs> and especially in their house, you know, um, your family, know. your family, yeah. right? Yeah. There, there, there yeah. is that family dynamic that visitation builds. Yeah. That I don't think the younger ministers are going to totally understand. No. And it's also, and I, I would say for scripturally, it, it's hard to be the shepherd of people that you don't, you, you, you spend an hour a week with. Agreed. Um, and so we we're losing some of the and, benefit and to if, all if that. Somebody would challenge me on why did you stay in Danforth for almost 30 years? What was the benefit of that? And I would ipso facto say it is knowing families and how to love them through all their crisis. You know, it, there's, there's that definite intimacy there that I have. And ironically, Josh, um, I talked to a young man who changed churches. He had been in one church for 12 years, began a whole new, you know, call up in the Michigan area. And, yeah. and I was talking to him and I was tight with him. And he says, Don, you know what surprised me? I said, what's that? He says, I went into a depression. I said, well, why'd you go into a depression? He says, you know, when I preached at my other church, I've been there 12 years. I knew the people. I mm. knew what to preach. Mm. I knew yeah. what their issues were and I loved them when I preached. And he says, I came to this new church. I didn't know anyone and I didn't know how to love them at first. And it all was built from visitation and, and connecting in with people. Yeah. Let yeah. me bring this to a, to a little bit of a tangent too. Cause one of the things that, that came to my mind as you were talking, Don is yeah, we, we get to know the people, but I think that the three of us have mostly been in fairly small-ish congregations. Now, maybe, Josh, maybe your, your congregations have been a little bit bigger than the ones that, that we've done. But I think there's a different dynamic in play when you're preaching to 20 or 30 or 50 people than when you're coming in on, as the senior pastor to a place that has 500, 600 people every Sunday morning. Um, how often do those pastors really get to know their congregants? I mean, I, I was at a I was at a church recently. I don't want to say where because, you know, I, I know the pastor and the pastor is a great person. Um, and I think he does a great job. But the church is bigger than what I'm used to going to. And yeah. um, there was somebody who was having a, a special ceremony there. And the pastor went up and talked to them to make sure he had their names right. And I saw that on the, you know, from where I was sitting, I could see that the, the church is kind of a horseshoe shaped uh, sanctuary. And from where I was sitting, I could see that the, the people's names were written on the screen on the back of the sanctuary. So the pastor would know what to call them, you know, and it's just kind of like, I wonder if there's a difference in dynamic of pastoral visitation because if it's a larger church, a lot of these churches have what they call a visitation pastor, don't they? They some of them do, but in a larger church, they they do visitation pastor is something where where you are supposed to be close to one of the staff members, like you would be to the pastor in a 
smaller mm-hmm. church, I would think. Um, intentionally, they do that. But yeah. Yeah, but again, no, the, I guess how, I was getting at how does that affect even the preaching aspect like Don was talking about? Oh, yeah, not knowing. Um, at Christ Church of Oakbrook, that question came up for Dr. DeGreider. And, and that time, the membership was around 3,500 or 4,000. Hmm. And, you know, what, what Dr. DeGreider would address, you know, in the preaching forum is he says, what I try to do is have, for no better of a word, I'll call it this, a population sample of the church that he had some type of contact with, i.e. a young family, somebody middle-aged, somebody you know, that was one thing. And then the other thing that he do is he spent a lot of time with the Christian ed pastor saying, okay, as you're putting together the Christian ed program, what are you seeing as issues that not only need to be addressed in the Sunday school, but also in the preaching? So it's more clinical, I would say, Pete, than and did he, institutional. Did, did he and do you tailor your messages specifically for your congregation? Say again, Josh. Do you direct your messages for your congregation? I typically don't. I, I want to make sure they land in our congregation and all, but um, I, I'm having a hard time answering that only because I, I usually work with the text first, and if it lands on someone, then that's the Holy Spirit's role. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what? But you yeah, know. I'm keenly aware. It used to be, oh my goodness, when I first came here, see, you had different learning styles too. So you used, yeah. when you'd hone your sermon, you'd have a lecture style and then you'd People have, used to take notes too. Yeah. And not now, you know, and, yeah. and now that, you know, you do the Bible on the screen, there's no open Bibles, personal yeah. Bibles, where there's underlining anymore. It's, it's the fault of preachers too, but it's, oh, and not, not at least part, part of it, part of it is. I'm, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I think going back to visitation, sort of take that circle back, visitation does shape how I will approach a sermon, though, you know, because yeah. there's a part of me that understands this is an issue of gossip or this is an issue of feeling of isolation. For or, me, um, what visitation or knowing pe- people will do is cause me not to preach certain things that I would normally want to preach. I get that. So, I, I'm, at, I'm at the age where I don't have to worry, though. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that, you know, especially if there's 100 people in the room and uh, I know that there's somebody dealing with something very specific. Yes. Uh, I'll typically avoid a topic that may harm, you know, or I, I don't know. I well, no, I, I know exactly what you're saying, Josh, because especially in a smaller congregation, you say 100 people in the room. How about when there's 20 in the room? And yeah. They might know. Basically, everybody knows who might be having this problem, and yeah, that person yeah. all of a sudden feels like they are being picked on or you know ridiculed in front of the congregation, and that's not the most effective way to deal with it usually. Well, yeah. and and I think the way I've leaned into it, and maybe this is why the Lord's blessed me with longevity here. I don't take on the issue, but I give them pastoral care from the pulpit. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I, from a psychological viewpoint, which my train, I'm only 12 hours short of an MA in counseling. And so I find from a psychological viewpoint, that sense of saying, Hey, you're not alone as you are facing all these things. And if it touches out on a specific thing, it's so generic, you just don't know. 
Yeah. Well, and also, if you know your congregation well, there's no excuse if you mishandle <laughs> a text. <laughs> um, yeah. And if, yeah. if you don't, you could say, well, I didn't know. But <laughs> Well, at the same time, you know, we're, we're, I guess, as Don, you just said it once, we, we've circled back to visitation. Um, so many things. I think this is the same with visitation. I don't know that there's a one-size-fits-all answer of yes or no or when or how much or how often or who or whatever. I think that that situations are different and situations are unique. One of the things that I have noticed, and I, and I was realizing this just as we're doing this today, just for our listeners, um, just a reminder, I'm sitting here in southwestern Ohio. Don is south of Chicago, about, what, 70 miles, 75 okay. miles? Okay. Yeah, and and Josh is in uh, Gulfport, Mississippi, just off of the uh, the where, Gulf. where where it was seventy two degrees today. Just yeah, so. yeah. And so and 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 people maybe listen to this when it's ninety degrees. We don't know, but bottom I've line, a snowstorm uh, blowing forty mile yeah. per hour winds with drifting snow. Thanks, right. Josh. <laughs> but but the point that I'm making is we are recording this podcast via Zoom, and we all see each other. And, you know, I can see Don in there in his study with all his books back there. And I can see Josh with his books and you see me with no books. That's because that's the way I am. Um, Josh has a few books over his right shoulder. There he goes. I haven't read them in a long time. Yeah. But still, the point is, I also do because where I'm on staff is about 70 to 90 miles away. I don't know exactly. I haven't really measured it. But I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm known as the adjunct pastor, meaning they know I'm not always going to be on, on site, but I do a Bible study every week with them. Yeah. And I find it interesting that when we do our Zoom Bible study, not everybody has their uh, their cameras even on. So it's like you're not even getting into their, their homes yeah, via Zoom even anymore. Even that, you know? yeah. So yeah. again, it's that privacy issue. I think some people want to be visited, others don't. Um, some, you know just would prefer to never have another person step foot in their house unless they're invited. Um, and I, I find it interesting, the people who really want visitation oftentimes seem to be the people from the church who think so-and-so ought to be visited, but they want the pastor to do it. Yeah. So any other thoughts on visitation just in general, guys? Hey, Pete, before you close, because I know we got to wind down, um, one of the things about being in the Reformed Church I love is that we believe in covenantal community. That's one of the threads. And I'm old school Reformed Church pastor because when we do communion, I we're supposed to have an elder with us. So when we really do, yeah, when we do communion, okay. we have an elder with us to affirm that we're part of a covenantal community, that it's not mm. just the pastor who's caring for you, but the elder you know, and it affirms community. And, and I think with visitation at the heart is what we're trying to say to those of you who are listening the, to this podcast and you're saying, well, I've never asked for visitation, but boy, it would be nice ask because we as preachers don't know. Oh, yeah. We do yeah. And to be honest, know. if anybody ever asked me, I'd jump at, jump at the opportunity. Bullseye. Um, yeah. Because you're part of a community. It affirms the faith community. And, and I think that's one thing that, you know, I want to say as we're closing out this visitation is visitation is about affirming community, that you're not alone. And from a mental health viewpoint, if you're feeling depressed, isolated, alone, and you're part of a faith community, give your preacher a call. 
Yeah. Let him know what's going on in your life. So we, especially before you complain about him not doing something, he probably has no clue he should be doing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. We're not mind readers. I think that's one of the things that, that I don't think people actually think that, but for some reason, I think they, a lot of people tend to think that pastors should already know. And, and we don't, we don't, we have to be, we have to be told sometimes about situations. Most of the time, we have to be told about situations. Yeah. Otherwise, we don't find out about them. So, well, guys, I want to thank you for sharing about visitation today. I hope it's been edifying for our listeners. And um, we you know, invite you to share your opinions. You can send us an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. Um, Pastor Josh and then Pastor Don, Pastor jo- Josh Kugel, Don McDonald, and myself, Pete Becky. We are all on Facebook. If you want to send us, a, you know, note, I'm sure that we could listen to you and be happy to to visit with you that way, guys. And I don't know how much we want to have that open to all the public who's listening, but uh, you know, we uh, we're we're open to hearing from people because that's part of what we do as pastors, isn't it? We we need to share with people. We need to share the gospel. And the bottom line is we all believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we believe that Jesus Christ is the one who reconciles us to God the Father. There is the um, title of our podcast, Reconciling Grace. So for Don McDonald and Josh Kugel, this is Pete Becky. I want to thank you for joining us. And Lord willing, we'll see you again next time for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.